With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Actress Cynthia Carmona has embodied ambitious, strong-willed teens, Brandy on Islas High and Sophie Cardona on Greenhouse Academy. That makes a lot of sense. So much of Cynthia's gritty personal story was formed in her adolescence when she proselytized for her Jehovah's Witness faith and snuck to acting classes. Then she had to choose between living at home in Miami or pursuing the things she loved most, acting. She left and her career took off in LA, but Cynthia felt like a fraud. She packed her bags for New York to get the technical grounding she yearned for. And now, Cynthia is starring in the new film, The Tax Collector, where she plays Alexis Cuevas, the wife of an organized crime boss. Did you always know that you wanted to act? I was always a performer. I was always an artist. I I had this thing when I was a kid where I was a little bit of a spy. I would just watch people. I would just really watch people and I've always been really fascinated with human behavior. And I would like go home and like write down things that I saw. My parents, they used to argue a lot growing up and things were kind of crazy. And I would just sit there and listen to everything that they would say. And then I'd go on my own and I would like reenact their arguments. I was always very strange in that sense, but I didn't know that acting was a thing that I could do. I grew up in a super religious, I never said this in an interview before, but my family and I grew up as Jehovah's Witnesses. I always say very religious, but I'm telling you so you understand. My aunt's Jehovah's Witness, so I am well-versed. And so growing up, being an artist wasn't acceptable in this religion. It's like, that's not what you do. (laughs) I'm not saying that it was forbidden, but it's just like, that's not the path you're supposed to take. Right. And, um, and so I didn't really have that outlet. I played a lot by myself and I would create these little plays with my friends. And like I said, you know, just a little spy. Um, and my, my real first 
outlet as an artist was dancing. Mm -hmm. So I was always very physical. I've always been a, a very musical person. And so growing up, I just found performing in, in dancing and you know, also something that wasn't allowed for me to do. I didn't go to dance classes. I didn't have that. I just had a lot of natural talent and just practicing a lot by myself at home and watching all kinds of, you know, VHS videos. I'd watch some like dance videos that my mom had from the 80s. And again, I would want to be like them. I was, you know, I would just imitate them. So I started as a dancer and in school, I just got into every dance team, cheerleading squad, anything possible that I, you know, my parents didn't really have to take part in. And after a while they got used to, okay, this is something that she's doing. You know, let's just let's not let her get too excited. I went on in high school to uh, be a captain of a dance team where the teacher owned one of like the top dance schools in Miami, Miami Lakes at the time. And she gave me a scholarship as long as I, I worked for her where I got just free training, excellent training for like four years while I worked part time as a teenager in her studio. And growing up, I was really lucky because I have a madrina who happened to be a talent agent and a manager for telenovela talent in Miami. And since I was born, she always used to say, Cynthia is going to be an actress. And my parents would laugh at her like, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. And as a kid, I started showing these tendencies, these like performance tendencies. And she would tell people like, she's going to act. That's her thing. She would try to send me out on auditions. I'll never forget. Later, she told me this when I was like 19, that she would call the house and say like, hey, we want to get Cynthia into this commercial. We would love to see her for this audition. And my parents would say, don't ever call here again. We, we're not going to tell her and just hang up the phone. Out of fear, it wasn't until later on in life, I was like 16 or 17, that she sneaked me away to go to a acting workshop it was my first acting workshop. And I had no idea what I was doing. I just went in there and I had to do this monologue about this young girl who was looking at herself in the mirror for the first time, uh, like really talking to herself and seeing herself is what I mean for the first time, like looking at her insecurities and just seeing, just really having that moment with herself. And I did it and I connected to it on a different level that impacted me so much more than dancing ever had. Dancing was a beautiful way to express myself, but acting really accessed my soul. And that's when I kind of, I hit the bug. I connected to something emotionally on a deeper level that I said, this is what I need in my life. This is how I'm going to just release this pent up you know, emotional energy that I have inside. And after that, I never looked back, you know, two years later, I was in LA. Is there something that's getting in the way of your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals? I have found in my own life that talking with someone can make a big difference, but sometimes the logistics, finding the right person, the time to connect makes things complicated. BetterHelp Online Counseling connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors specialize in everything from depression to relationships to self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. 
Best of all, it's an affordable option. Latina to Latina listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code LATINA. So why not join 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health? Go to betterhelp.com slash Latina. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Latina. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swathers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swathers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swathers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the ball is filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. How do you get from that resistance to you than being in LA and making that leap? Oof, I got kicked out of my house. Yeah, I mean, look, I grew up in a in a fam in a very strict household, right? Religious, strict household. I'm a rebel. I'm a rebel. I always have been. I don't. I think that that makes me me. Um, I was born the year of the horse. So freedom is really important to me. Running wild is really important to me. I'm a Capricorn. So I'm also really stubborn and totally believe in these things, by the way. Uh, I'm a Capricorn and I'm just really ambitious and stubborn. I like to just do things my own way. And so, all my so life- So take me back though. I mean, is there a conversation that you had where they were like, Cynthia, if that's what you want, then that's fine, but you can't live here anymore? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was- it was masked in other things. It was like, oh, Cynthia was being diff like if you ask my parents now, they'll be like, oh, she was being difficult. She was rebellious. And I know it's like I wanted to do things all around. I was just an artist and you can't trap an artist. It was absolutely like if you want to live your life the way you want to live your life, you can't do it in this house. If you don't want to conform, right? Like if you don't want to live, si no quieres vivir por estas reglas, you need to go. And and I did. It was the best decision I ever made in my life because 
I needed to be free and I needed to take that risk. And I was homeless for a while. I lived with some really, you know, weird people for a few weeks and months. And then my madrina came back into the picture and was like, you are not going to live on the street. You're not going to be with all these crazy people. I'm going to take you in. And she's she nurtured me for a few months, I would say almost a year, guiding me, encouraging me to fulfill my dreams. And then I reconnected when I was about 19 years old with the very first director that I had ever worked with on a sketch comedy show when I was like 16 or 17, who at the time in Miami was doing a project for Chayang called Amor Mortal. And uh, he was a, this like big New York director who was making moves in Los Angeles and doing all kinds of stuff. And when I connected with him and I was like, hey, uh, I want to act and I want to go to Los Angeles. And like, I don't know anyone there. Can you help me? He was like, absolutely. You should have you should have been. I'm so glad that you want to be an actress. This is exactly what you should be doing. You have a lot of talent. I'm going to help you. Then, though, 2012 you moved to New York to train at On the Road Repertory Company. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, with Alice Spivak. So take me back to deciding to make that leap. I trained as a dancer. So for me, I always knew that, like, I can't get on stage, no matter how much natural talent I have, I can't get on stage and do, you know, a, a bunch of turns and leaps and all and jumps and all of these things without having trained a performance day in and day out for hours. And even though I had a lot of natural talent as far as acting goes, I didn't go to college for acting. I didn't get a degree in this. To this day, it's always been a chip on my shoulder. Like, man, I wish I could have gone to NYU. Man, I wish I could have done Tish. Like, oh, man, I wish I, I would have had that. Um, I didn't. So I knew that I needed to train with the best. I knew that I couldn't necessarily call myself an actor without studying the greats, without studying Shakespeare, and without studying as much theater as possible. I was already working in LA at the time. I already had a manager. I already had an agent. I had already had credits under my name. I had done a couple of movies and TV shows, but I felt like a bullshit artist. I didn't believe myself. I was like, how the hell am I going to call myself an artist if I have never really trained theater? So I moved to New York. And that's when I really sunk my teeth into what I know as an actor. Natural talent helps a lot. And like, I feel like I'm a really sensitive person and I've had a lot of things all my life that have really formed me and shaped me on this journey to be an actress. But honing down those skills and studying the greats is probably the most important aspect of my training. You do a different type of job hunting, right? Than the rest of us. Finding an acting job feels so distinct. What did it look like for you to get to the point where not only were you getting auditions, but you were getting auditions for roles that you really wanted and you were getting called back for those roles and then actually landing some of them? When I first started acting, it was, it almost came really easily. And I hate to say that because that's not fair and that's not how real life is, but I stepped in shit. Like I, I, I had that beginner's luck. And right away, it's like, oh, I moved to LA. Oh, I meet with this producer. Oh, I got this TV show. Oh, I got this movie. Like a lot of the, the jobs that I was getting at first, I wasn't really auditioning for. It was like connections that I had made. And, and honestly, beginner's luck. It's very real. 
If some people can experience it, God bless you. It's wonderful. And then when I moved to New York and I was up against some of the most incredible talent I've ever been exposed to in the world, it was rough. Like going out on auditions with the stars on current shows on Broadway, like it was absolutely terrifying. And that's when I really felt like, oh, wow. Okay. This is not, I have to work really hard right now. And I'll be honest, my three and a half years that I was in New York, just studying as much theater and just doing as much theater as I could, I wasn't really booking anything. I wasn't booking film and television. I was doing commercials and I was doing like little modeling jobs here and there to just get by. But I was not booking. It was definitely rough, but I was fulfilled as an artist because I was just immersed in the world of theater. You play Alexis Cuevas, the yeah. wife of David Cuevas, the tax collector, yes. who also leads a Latino organized crime group in LA. What about playing this character appealed to you? Alexis is so much more than just the tax collector's wife. First of all, just working with David Ayer, who writes these incredibly complex characters and wants you to tackle them from every different angle. So Alexis is this, this, you know, woman who has been with her husband since she was 17 years old Mm. and grew up in an affluent, you know, wealthy family and has had an alcoholic father and a traumatic childhood. And she latches on to this gangster, David, for protection. And she basically throws away any future of the life that she could have had. And instead, she latched onto someone who gave her some sense of power in her life. And all of that comes from a place of feeling powerless. And the movie is about the price of power. How far are you going to go? How much are you willing to sacrifice to get what you want? And every character deals with that in some way way Shia LaBeouf as Creeper deals with it. Bobby Soto as as David Cuevas deals with it. And for me, Alexis Cuevas sacrifices her family and her well-being in order to protect the little girl who was afraid of her father growing up. I've latched on to situations or people in my life to also feel safe. And I wanted to explore that side of myself As soon as the trailer dropped for The Tax Collector, there was controversy in part because Shia LaBeouf is playing what many perceive to be a Latino character. And David Ayer has said the character is meant to be white, non-Latino. Totally. And there were also people who felt that by focusing on gangs, the film perpetuates stereotypes about Latinos. And I wonder what your take is on those critiques. First off, when it comes to Shia, we have to just be mindful that it is loosely based on how David Ayer grew up. A lot of the world doesn't have the the opportunity to be around David as much as we did. And if you were to be around him, you'd see that he's a white boy who grew up in the hood. And Creeper is exactly that. And I know it because I dated those guys. I dated the white boys from the hood. Like that was my type for a while. <laughs> especially in Miami. So that's what Creeper is. And Shia plays that so insanely well. Jesus, he's so good. I understand where the criticism would come from as far as the stereotypes. I do feel like 
we should continue to evolve from that. We should continue to move past that. So for me, it's not about like constantly showing Latinos as gangsters or drug dealers. It's like, no, this is an inside look at the streets of LA, how some people actually really live. We go deeper. Today's episode of Latina to Latina is sponsored by HBO Max's Ha Festival, The Art of Comedy, streaming on August 20th. Hosted by Angela Johnson and straight out of sunny San Antonio, Ha Festival finds today's hottest Latinx comedians burning up the stage with one hour of nonstop laughs. This multi-act stand-up special showcases the best of the fest, including Jesus Trejo, who shares how hard it is raising his elderly parents and seeing his mom high for the first time. Soon-to-be mom Gina Brion gets real about pregnancy, while Carmen Lynch quips about broken English texts from her highly religious mom. Monique Marvez drops pearls of wisdom about the superpowers of men, and Mark Vieira is mystified by his wife's sacrifices for beauty. And in their first major TV appearances, up-and-coming comics Pedro Salinas and David Del Rosario offer their hot takes on the absurdity of math and the Miami club scene. Don't miss special appearances from Eugenio Derbez, Eva Longoria, and Denny Trejo. Ha Festival, the art of comedy, is streaming August 20th only on HBO Max. Does the politicization of Latino roles put pressure on you as an actor when you're considering roles and projects? Absolutely, yes and no. I'm looking for interesting stories. I'm looking for real stories. I like the stories that make people uncomfortable. I want to tell the stories that other people are afraid to tell, like a tax collector, for example. And my goal in the characters that I choose is versatility and authenticity as much as possible. But it's also really important to evolve, to continue to bring uh, Latinos, especially in film and television and as artists, forward. So were my family members growing up when we first came to the United States, did they work as maids and, and clean toilets? And yes, that's very true. That is my experience. I used to, when my mom first got here, she wasn't able to fulfill her medical degree at first and she cleaned buildings and I went with her every Friday. I'd go with her and I'd help her take out the trash while I read my books. And I was a kid, but I I always saw her working as hard as she can. And she used to look at me and say, you know what, Cynthia, this is not who I am. This is what I'm doing right now so that I can be who I am. This is just a means to an end. And while I do respect that that is very true, and we don't have to continue to tell those stories. We should, we should go beyond that. We should, be, we should play beyond the maid or the gangster or the sassy Latina. We are so much more than that. And that's my goal as a Latina, as an actress who represents and is constantly fighting to represent herself as an actress in this industry. It's let's tell other stories. Let's tell the story of who my mother is now. She's a freaking scientist, for God's sakes. On Mother's Day, you posted this incredible photo of your mom working at a lab examining the DNA of COVID-19 what does she do and what did you learn from her? Oh, wow. I learned so much from her all the time. My mom is low-key a genius. <laughs> and she's taught me so much about not only just like science, but about life. I 
I'm constantly just trying to, you know, impress her. We've always had that kind of relationship because she's so good at everything she does. It's so weird. Uh, my mom is a histologist. So she studies uh, basically just like cancer cell and tissue. And she's been doing this my my whole life, like way before I was born. This is just her passion. She loves it. But now during COVID-19, it the, the, the study of cancer cell and tissue has switched over to just examining the strains, the different strains and just testing and doing as much scientific research as she can on this pandemic. And she's on the front lines, man. Like she is working with the University of Miami right now. She's front and center. She sees all of it all the time. Like I've heard all kinds of crazy things. And it's amazing to have a, a mother that's like really just there day in and day out, like 14 to 18 hour days in this lab, just like behind a microscope all day. She'll be the first to tell you it's very real. People are dying every single day and it has nothing to do with how old you are or underlying conditions. We recently, we lost an uncle to uh, COVID-19 in Barranquilla and he was, you know, no underlying conditions, just very healthy. And it was even more confirmation for her to be like, do you understand what I'm saying? This is very real. Be very careful and wear a damn mask. She's taught me so much about what's really happening, right, behind the scenes. But she teaches me so much in life, man. She's a strong, independent woman. She's that type of woman who's like, if you want something for yourself, you better go out and get it. And if you're going to be, and if you're going to do something, anything you want to do in your life, you have to be the best, be the best at anything you want to do. And the best can be your version of the best, but just work as hard as you freaking can at what you do. 2019, such a busy year for you. You also filmed Rifa, which is based on the real life story of Israel Rifa Hernandez, an 18 year old artist who was living in Miami when he died at the hands of police. I was living in Miami in 2013 oh, when wow. that tragedy was unfolding and the community was just absolutely rocked by it. And Rifa seems very timely. Uh, it seems like a timely moment to be telling the story because we're having a national conversation about police brutality. And as we are having that conversation, we have seen multiple young Latinos, Sean Monterosa, Andres Guardado, um, be killed by police officers. How did being a part of RIFA shape your thinking on this moment? I have goosebumps <laughs> just because you you were there. And I don't think I've spoken to anyone that has actually really been there outside from like the people that were filming with us on set and my parents, for example. You know, Rifa lost his life in 2013 and yet we are here in 2020 and it seems more relevant than ever. But his family still didn't get the justice that they deserved. He didn't get the justice that he deserved. That story just like like thousands, like millions, I'm sure, that just get brushed under the rug. It's just another tale. It's just another stereotype. It's just another case, you know, and, and nothing happens, right? The police officer that killed Rifa is one of the one of the heads of Miami PD at this current moment. And they were all exonerated of all charges. But this was an unarmed 18-year-old boy who was spray painting a wall in an abandoned McDonald's. Art isn't a crime. And and that's the the message that we're trying to tell that's so 
important and why doesn't the world know about it? It was so special to me on so many other levels. It was almost spiritual, but it was the message, of course, that was so incredibly important. It was like, this is not about me. This is not about me as an actress. This is not about, oh, I need to book this part and to work. No, this is like, I need to do everything that I can to be a part of something greater, something that is going to do something that will change and impact the world in some way. These are the stories that need to be told. This can't continue. You are exactly who you say you are. When you talk about your strength and your passion and how you are independent. And so I want to loop back just to close us out. Yeah, I'm like all worked up. (laughs) You are young. Your parents give you an ultimatum. You leave and strike out on your own. It has worked out pretty well for you. Your star is ascendant. That is clear. At what point did you reconcile with your parents and did, and Did they get that this was not just a phase? I'm going to (laughs) cry. Is it okay? (laughs) Well, my relationship with my parents hasn't always been great. And I, I didn't have the parents that moved to Los Angeles when I was six years old and drove me to every audition and paid for every class or were there at every play, you know, that didn't happen for me. And, and I, I admire and I applaud the parents that, that have done that for their children because I see them. I work with these actors now who are killing it and have always had their parents support. And for a long time, maybe I blamed my parents for not doing that for me. And again, it's, it's what we talk about the narrative. It's about that narrative of like, my parents weren't there for me. My parents didn't support me. My parents, you know, stifled my growth. And it's a lot about what we talked about that, that self-discovery. And especially this time during, during quarantine, a lot of that has gotten easier for me to process both of my parents, especially my mother, even though she was extremely tough on me, they may not have supported my dreams, but I realize now that it's because they were afraid. It's because when you, when you leave everything that you know to provide your kids with a better future in America as immigrants, you're afraid and you want them to choose the safe route, right? You want that you, you attach yourself to the idea of what safe is, not knowing. They just didn't know. And it was very recent. I think it was, it was, it was very recent. I hate to say that, but I have to be honest, right? Like I've had, I've had some wonderful successes in my career and they've always been, you know, very supportive at later, later in life for sure. Like after a few series, after people at work have come up to them and been like, Oh my God, like I've watched your daughter's shows. Like, wow. And they're like, Oh, okay. This is cool. Right. This is interesting. And then when they come and they tell me, it's like, Oh wow. It took someone else to tell you that I was on TV for you to accept that I am really doing this and have been doing this by myself for a very long time. Thanks mom. (laughs) But I think recently when I, when I started just dissecting that narrative, right. When I started really sitting down with myself and, and telling myself what, who am I? I started realizing that who I am 
And the reason why I've been able to go as far as I have and continue to fight and have this fire and this strength is because of my mother, is because of my father, who what they instilled in me, number one, was education and hard work. It's the immigrant story. Work as hard as you can. Work harder than the person next to you. And now I realize that if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in Los Angeles. I wouldn't be in New York. I wouldn't be sitting down having this conversation with you about the last, you know, 10 years of my career. It's definitely been a healing process. It's really been recent where I've really sat down and been so grateful for the fact that I still have my parents that are healthy and alive and my mother who's out there risking her life every single day for all of us that I've really realized like they did what they had to do. They did what they had to do for me and they've passed that responsibility on to me now for me to move forward and for me to work as hard as I can and just pay it forward, take care of them as they took care of me all of my life What with their mistakes and all. You know what? Parents are just trying their hardest to just give their kids a better life. I'm not, I'm not blaming them. I probably blame them very, very much when I first started acting in, but I'm definitely in a better place now where they're my everything. And they're proud of me, which for a kid, I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever experienced that, but like just constantly trying to fight for the approval of your parents is, is tough. It's tough on a, on, a, on a human. And we will carry that on for the rest of our lives. I, my, my parents, lo, los quiero mucho. Cynthia, thank you so much for thank this. Thank you. Oh my God, you're, you are so lovely. You. So lovely. You're a gem. Seriously. I look forward to this. will be one of many times we'll do this. And then I hope so. I'll be like, oh, remember when you were so young and such a little old chickadee? I know. Thank you for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lentigua Williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Virginia Lora is our managing producer. Cedric Wilson is our producer. Kojin Tashiro mixed this episode. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. We love hearing from you. We really do. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening. And please, please leave a review. It is one of the fastest, easiest ways to help us grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.